Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast. If you would like more information about First Baptist Church of Silva, please visit firstbaptistsilva.com. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. Followers of Jesus have heard the Good Shepherd call us by name and we have allowed ourselves to be a part of Christ's great flock. Casey Diaz certainly did. But it didn't start the way you might have thought. And his story may not look like yours, but he is certainly part of the Good Shepherd's flock. And why? Because he heard the Good Shepherd call him by name. Casey Diaz was a gang member in Los Angeles some years ago. And he was arrested. He had a long, long record of all kinds of serious mischief, house invasions, violence, stabbing other rival gang members. So when he was sentenced for 13 years for second-degree murder, his jailers knew that he was a dangerous man, that he was a man of influence there in the prison itself. So they put him in solitary confinement. That's a Eight foot by ten foot cell was no window. He could have no visitors, no TV, no devices, no books, no magazines. It was a, a light that stayed on all the time. He did not sleep well. And he was in these, this setting for months and months and months. About a year into his solitary confinement, he heard a woman's voice out in the hallway. She asked the guard and said, who's in there? And he said, ah, you're wasting your time, ma'am. And she said, well, Jesus came for him too. She drew close to the door. Casey was all ears. He hadn't heard another voice in, in ages. And the woman spoke up and said, Casey, how are you? And he laughed and said, I'm just fine, thank you. And she said, well, I'm here to tell you that Jesus has plans for you. And Casey laughed. And she said, even so, I'm here to pray for you. And she did. Casey remembered this. Because something unusual happened to him a year later while he still was in solitary confinement. One afternoon while dozing, he looked up and saw there on the wall, as though a projection, a scene, an unbelievable scene. And he he blinked his eyes and he, he rubbed them and he looked and he saw there before him an image of a crucifixion. And the man in the middle, hanging on a cross, looked at him and said, Darwin, I'm doing this for you. 
And Casey was deeply disturbed by this because Darwin was his real name and no one else knew it and certainly didn't call him by his name. Darwin, the man said again, I'm doing this for you. And he bowed his head and breathed his last. And Casey, overwhelmed by this moment, fell on his knees, began to pray, asking for forgiveness for all that he had done, all of the hurt that he had brought about, all of the shame that he felt. He relinquished and prayed and gave himself to Jesus, the one who he believed had called him by name and demonstrated his great love for the one who knew him greater and better than anyone else. Casey Darwin was a changed man. And upon being discharged, he deepened his faith and now today serves as a pastor of a church. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Well, as it turns out, sheep can be pretty high maintenance. <laughs> They're vulnerable because by themselves, sheep can get into all kinds of trouble. Just earlier in this chapter, and you can go back and read this, John describes Jesus talking more about how in God we have a good shepherd and about how the sheep can be very vulnerable to attack and to those who might wish to lead the sheep astray. He uses language like bandit and thievery. But the saving grace for the sheep are that they know their master's name. They know their master's voice. And as long as they know their master's voice, they will know who to follow. The best defense against harm is that sheep know and recognize the good shepherd's voice. Which, of course, resonates with us because here at First Baptist Church this year, we're focusing on listening, which we've acknowledged is really hard to do in the world that we live in when there's so many things to listen to. Because the truth is, we are sheep. We are easily shaped and easily led astray. Jesus knew that taking care of sheep was a big task, so he recruited others. It's a post-resurrection story. We know it well. Jesus' disciples, unsure of what this life was to look like on this side of the tomb, they return to something that's familiar. It's fishing. And who can blame them? After the trauma and the sense of, of unbelievable events that happened, they returned to something that was familiar to them and comforting to them, being out on the water with friends, doing what they used to do. But that's not where Jesus wants them. Now he's making them breakfast on the shore. He calls to them. They come in. 
And there's this moment we remember between Jesus and Peter, and rightfully so, because Peter, Jesus' successor, the one that he had identified as the leader, he had denied him three times, so he gives him three opportunities to make amends. Peter, do you, do you love me? Do you, do you love me, Peter? Peter, do you love me? And what does Jesus say each time in response? When Peter says, of course you do. Jesus is clear about the direction that he wants him to take. It's not about theological um, approval or quality control. It's not about a creed. It's not about infrastructure of what we might become. No, it's very simple. It's about tending, caring for, and feeding Jesus's sheep. <laughs> That's what Jesus has in store. He wants Peter and the other disciples to care for, tend, and feed sheep. And why? Because Sheep are high maintenance. They're difficult. They can be easily led astray. Jesus is clearly anxious. He's concerned. And before he goes to be with his father, he wants Peter and the other followers to be certain that they know what their marching orders are. And that is to take care of Jesus' flock. Let's be honest for a second. Hearing and listening to Jesus' voice is incredibly difficult when there are so many other voices. There's a story about some shepherds that had their flocks together out on a hillside, and it was time at the end of the day for them to go back to their respective homes and ranches. And the shepherds called to their sheep at the same time, and the sheep were confused they thought they might be able to hear their shepherd, their master's voice, because they would recognize them and follow. But with all the different voices, with all the competing sounds, they couldn't locate their rightful shepherd. So the shepherds, knowing that this is a likelihood any time they were to get together, when there were so many sheep, and because it was so hard for them to hear the right voice, the shepherds would come up with a distinctive call, a distinctive sound that would differentiate their voice from the other shepherds. Y'all, Christ's voice is distinct from the other voices that we hear. And if you're wondering what Jesus' voice sounds like, that's easy and yet hard to determine and to figure out. Jesus' voice is distinctive because it is always cloaked in love. Which makes you wonder whose voice we're listening to. What rival shepherds might be wanting our attention. Voices that want to inflame. Voices that want to condemn. Voices that want to judge. Voices that want to fragment. Voices that want to scatter. These voices are not Christ's voice. 
Christ's voice is a voice of love. A number of us are having trouble hearing. (laughs) I know this because you tell me. You tell me about how excited that you are that you've got an appointment to, to have assistance devices to to help you hear because you know that if you're not able to hear then you can't make sense of the message or the messenger and it's particularly difficult you tell me when you're in a restaurant or maybe even in the mission and fellowship center when there are crowds because the ambient noise of other people make it difficult for you to hear the one you're trying desperately to hear Some of you have told me that as you've noticed the change in your ability to hear, it's become that much more important that you are able to read someone's lips. Whether you are hearing impaired or not, these last couple of years when we've been masked, we've all found how important it is to be able to hear and to be able to see what someone is saying. I don't think it's a mistake at all, mothers and fathers, when we need to get our children's attention, what do we do? We get down in front of them so that they can hear and see what we're saying. So you can imagine how hard it is if we're already predisposed to not being able to hear or listen And if reading lips is that much more critical, then so too is our proximity to the one who's got a message for us. It's no surprise, therefore, that the image that we have of Christ as good shepherd is of a God who wishes to hold us. Why? Because not only can we hear Christ's voice. Not only can we see him so closely as he has a message for us, but we can literally feel the vibration of his voice as he holds us dear to him. Peter, tend to my sheep, feed them, nourish them, watch over them, care for them, make certain that they hear my voice. That's true. With so many different voices, it can be hard to listen for Jesus' voice. Author David Zoll tells a story in his book about a buddy of his. David is a minister. He's a pastor. A friend of his was running a marathon on a Sunday morning. And he said to David, he said, David, I was running a marathon the other Sunday morning. Let me tell you what I saw. David said, sure, what'd you you see? He said, well, I was running and I ran by some fitness gyms and their parking lots were full. David knew where this was going. He said, is that so? He said, it's so. I ran by some restaurants. They were full to the brim. They were parking on the street. All the parking lots were full. People were waiting outside to get in. I went by some malls and some shops and some stores. They were full too. I ran by the marina. Everybody was there. I I ran by the 
the, the baseball fields and the soccer fields, and they, they were full of, of people, and the parking lots were full. David said, uh-huh. He said, then I ran by the churches. Their parking lots, David, were not full. They were empty. <laughs> David Zoll tells this story in his book, Seculosity, How Career, Parenting, Technology, Food, Politics, and Romance Became Our New Religion and What to Do About It. I know, it's a shameless plug. It's on the back of your bulletin. But it's an important conversation that I think we need to have, y'all. The name of David's book is called Seculosity. He combines two familiar words, secular and religious. He warns us that we should not think that because our church parking lots are relatively empty, that people are less religious than they've ever been. Far from it, he argues. He says people aren't less religious. They're more religious than ever just about other things than God. Yeah, there are a lot of voices out there. And their voices are sweet because they tempt us with rival gods. That is, things, idols, things to give our time, energy, and attention to. And we do so, don't we, fervently. David Dark, he quotes in the book, he calls religion, excuse me, he calls religious ideas and thinking a controlling story or the question of how we dispose our energies how we see fit to organize our lives and in many cases the lives of others and so Zal adds on to that he says religion is what we lean on to tell us we're okay that our lives matter that the things that we give ourselves to that is our true religion As sheep, it's important for us to acknowledge that there are a lot of other shepherds out there, and they are eager to have our attention, our time, and our money. So yes, I understand why Jesus would want to make certain that Peter and the other disciples know that he needs them to tend to the sheep. So I'm grateful that God recruits others to help tend to his sheep. I was turning on to Skyland Drive the other day from Monteith Branch, and I looked across Scott's Creek, and there in a beautiful green meadow, I saw two geese and their goslings, these little baby geese. It was beautiful and sweet. And I sat there at the intersection for just a moment because what I saw was pretty remarkable. Yes, the goslings were being led by two geese. One of them would lead, but then every once in a while, the other goose would circle to the back and make certain that the goslings were keeping up 
in their sweet little line. They were working together. One was leading, the other one was nudging them along. It was a beautiful image, an example of family. No, I couldn't tell which was which, whether it was the mother or the father, and it doesn't matter, does it? Except to know that when we herd sheep, children or goslings, it requires more than just one, doesn't it? Shepherds employ help, whether it's other shepherds, but a lot of times shepherds employ dogs. Dogs, as it turns out, can be very helpful because sheep can be more than just one shepherd can manage. So herding dogs will listen to the shepherd and help to move the sheep to where the shepherd wants them. Literally, the dog moving this way and that, nipping sometimes at the sheep to keep them together and moving in the direction that the good shepherd is leading them. So yes, dogs keep sheep together and also alert the shepherd to threats, whether it's other animals, whether it's other dangers that are there, the dog can help the shepherd know what's needed and when they need to be brought together or when they need to be on the move. Dogs are in the service to the master and help the sheep follow where the master leads. And so in this way, the role of the pastor is to serve as a dog. Now, most of you all have known for some time that I'm very much the dog in any number of different circumstances. Where I smell bad or bite or attack or jump up when it's not needed or necessary. But tending to the sheep and helping them to hear the voice of the good shepherd is the task of a pastor. But the pastor is not alone in serving as a dog. The role of a mother, the role of a parent, of a teacher, of a coach, of a deacon, of a Sunday school teacher, they are all one and the same. It's to serve the good shepherd in helping the sheep to hear Christ's voice. As your pastor, I am a dog in the service of the good shepherd. Listen to him. Direct your attention to him, not to yourselves. Be shaped by love in all that you do. And when you follow him, and this is what's beautiful, when you follow him, others will follow him too. And in that way, you'll find that you're a dog also. Let us pray. God, we're grateful to be called to serve as dogs, to assist you, the good shepherd, as you rally us, as you gather us together, as you lead us in paths of righteousness. 
Father, forgive us when we stray. Forgive us for listening to rival voices, for giving ourselves our time, money, energy to other good things, but things that take the place of you. Help us, God, to be faithful to you so that in turn, those who are following us follow you too. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. Amen.